This is Residence 104.4 FM. Flipping marvellous. I'm Nick Hennigan and welcome to another slice of literary London. Hey, which is all about, well, literature and London, really. And as always, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can always email radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk. Sorry about my noisy phone down there. Um, And uh, we will be repeating this show on Tuesday. It's also on bohemianbritain.com and londonliteraryprobgirl.com. London Literary Pub Crawl. I haven't had a drink, I promise. Dot uh, com. Uh, and all over the place, really. We're on various YouTube channels as well. Maverick Theatre. I, 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 I've run out of space. I run out of memory. But I'm delighted to welcome back, actually, because we actually, we, we uh, met, you came into the studios, what, four, about five years ago now to talk about a book you'd uh, written, um, the, the writer Lucy Beresford. So hello again, Lucy. Hello, Nick. Thanks for having me back. Oh, well, thank you very much for, for coming on. I mean, um, we, we, we will talk about this a little bit because this is a book that we talked about a few years ago, uh, Hungry for Love, and it's a great read, it's a great book. Um, but we've got a fairly, uh, well, a, a more serious is perhaps not the right way of looking at it because Hungry for Love is about kindness and, uh, uh, you know, being nice to each other. Um, but we're here to talk specifically about an event uh, called uh, Social Media Kindness Day. So do you want to just explain, I mean, I think it's in the title, isn't it? But do you want to explain a little bit uh, what that's about? And also, of course, we should talk about you as well, because you've been on television and you write columns. I mean, apart from the books, uh, we'll talk about, uh, you've got a book out called Happy Relationships at Homework and Play. And I've had a couple of emails, actually, which I'll put to you uh, before we finish. Proper oh, yeah. agony aunt stuff. Yeah, it is. I, I feel like I, I feel like a proper broadcaster here now because you're you're with us. Um, so we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, let's talk first of all about media, social media kindness day. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, it's kind of a new. It's a new thing, social media, in in so many ways, isn't it? Uh, um, tell us about social media well, kindness. I think day. There's, there's, yeah, there's so, certainly a whole generation that's grown up that doesn't know any different. Really, I mean, I've been on Twitter over 10 years and as I say there are people who are kind of coming of age who don't know how to communicate in any other way but I think the public discourse has become incredibly fractious and there are more platforms on social media that used to be just friends reunited and then that expanded into things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and not just because of the pressure that celebrities or people in the public eye have um, experienced in social media, but partly linked to some very high profile, difficult situations that people have had to grapple with. Um, It has been thought that having a whole day where we could really focus on not just being kind to each other on social media, but really exploring why that isn't happening as a matter of course at the moment. And the day has been chosen because Tuesday the 9th of November would have been Caroline Flack's birthday. Now Caroline very sadly took her own life uh, probably about 18 months ago I think it was, Uh, maybe it was longer than that and one can never really speculate as to why somebody makes that choice but certainly she had been somebody in her life who had experienced an awful lot of negative commentary about her and the things that she'd done and said or worn or been I mean it was just relentless and I think we're very mindful for example of politicians at the moment who've come out very publicly certainly since the death 
the murder, sorry, of uh, Sir David Amos, that actually so many politicians routinely get death threats and negative commentary that we really probably do need to have a moment in time where we pause and reflect on on the state of where we've got to that actually even me being on television at times can end up incurring people saying the most vicious and unpleasant things i've had death threats in the last couple of weeks because of something i said on a television show um, I don't have a problem with people disagreeing with me. I just have a problem when people think that that's the only way they can then debate with me. Um, I'm quite fortunate that I don't have to see my social media feed because I have someone else doing that for me. But there's no reason why that person should have to read some of the material that they got sent or I got sent in the last few weeks. And similarly, people who work for parliamentarians say the same thing. It's just that there seems to be a moment where we need to really stop and think about what we're doing and how we're living on social media. Yeah, I mean, it, it is horrible, isn't it? Some of the stuff that comes in. And of course, the debate, the political debate is all about if, if someone were, were able to say that face to face to you, they probably wouldn't. And it's the notion of being hidden behind a, 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 an identity I've got, I've got seven or eight social media platforms and no one bothers me anyway so I'm, I'm okay but actually for a while I did have I did have uh, I did have 10,000 followers on Twitter and, and years ago I used to do a radio show in in Birmingham a radio station called BRMB um Saturday night kind of love zone and every now and again I would get a hateful letter because someone's girlfriend had t- I mean it, but it was only every now and again and the letters were sometimes anonymous but that was kind of I mean it was slightly perturbing but I can I can't imagine what it must be like to um, and again, without sort of being sexy to bad, female as well. Females seem to attract a terrible uh, amount of attention. Um, so I can't, I can't imagine what it must be like. And um, you've got someone to <laughs> look after your... Yeah, you're uh, kind of like a filter. But at the same time, I think we need to pay attention to the way in which social media and maybe the social media companies themselves do have some responsibility for the way in which their product is set up I'm talking now perhaps about the algorithms for example whereby you go on to something like Instagram and as soon as you've started looking at a particular thing then Instagram will start showing you more and more material of that nature now that's fine if what you're looking for are pictures of piglets or something or you know daisy chains or beautiful stunning views in Mauritius you're not really going to be pulled down negatively by that. But if you start looking for any other kind of material and then you're bombarded with extra um, examples of that, posts, visual imagery, that will start to affect you, whether it affects your mood and pulls you down or whether it inspires you to hate or to actually act on some of your impulses. That's where the actual product of social media can become very damaging. I suppose it's interesting as well. I mean, you're a psychotherapist, aren't you? So trained in the... Yeah, you know, practicing yeah. psychotherapist. But yeah, I, I suppose it's interesting as well. I, I did some research years ago for a play I was writing and, and and some of the research I did online when it arrived, it was horrific. And it was, I think, more horrific because I was sitting at home on a computer doing the research. I guess uh, when I say it's sort of an anthropological thing in one sense, I suppose, is, as creatures, we're, we're not built to deal with that kind of sudden aggression there's a fight and flight thing perhaps that we all have um, and I do wonder whether that's that has an effect on how it affects us 
Yes, I think well, different people process information in different ways. So some people are very visual. So if you do, if you write something down in black and white and it's really vile, then that can really affect them. Whereas other people, a bit like me, I just I just delete or I press the mute button. Um, so it doesn't seem to affect, you know, it affects people in different ways. But I think what's really worrying about social media is the the poor impulse control that it seems to engender because it's a bit like your comment, you know, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, then maybe you shouldn't say it on a post or a tweet. Similarly, they often say, you know, if you would be embarrassed for your grandmother to hear you say something like this. But people don't think those things in their head. They think they have that emotional response to something. It could be a story in the news or it could be something that they see in the media. And then they just literally respond. Now, that's quite primitive behavior. That's a real knee-jerk reaction. And we spend most of our um, early years having those kind of impulses ironed out by our parents or our teachers who say, no, you can't, you can't say things like that. And you can't show, you know, parts of your body in public and you can't go around punching people in the playground. So we, we educate small people how to function in the world and then they grow up and they think that on social media they can go back to that much more primitive behavior yeah i mean it's it, it is a fascinating subject isn't it and one i'm sure that all sorts of people will be talking about for a, a long time let's talk about the practicalities of social media kindness day because you write about relationships and so say you've got your current book is called happy relationships which we must we must talk about uh, and actually well. there's a there's a section in there on how to cope with your relationship with social media because it's just such a prevalent part of our lives now so how, how how do we do that, and how does that transfer? What should we do on the on the uh, on Tuesday to, to celebrate uh, social media kindness? Well, I think there are a few things, and I would I would almost give different advice to different people. I mean, for some people, I would actually advise them to just not be on social media for the whole day, and really experience what that would feel like, and also to really invest in other activities so that they can remind themselves of what life used to be like before social media took over. I think it would be a really good idea to flood social media with very upbeat, very positive content. So again, whether that is a video, there's a fantastic video I found last week, which was of a TV reporter who was reporting surrounded by turkeys and one of the turkeys bit her on the bottom and she yelped and all of the turkeys, there were probably about a hundred around her, they all uh, gobbled which I'm assuming is the technical term for what turkeys do but it sounded just like human beings laughing <laughs> and it looked like they it sounded like they were laughing at her having her bottom pinched and the whole thing is just you know it takes like six seconds but it's just hilarious you can't really watch it without laughing and I just think if we could spend a lot of time on social media promoting really lovely things or championing really lovely causes that would probably be a really useful way of spending the day. Yes, that'll be a nice thing to do. Uh, I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Resonance 104.4 FM. Flipping marvellous. I'm talking to Lucy Beresford, who is a writer and a uh, psychotherapist. I've got that right, haven't I? I yes. made me notes. I also quite like the fact, if you don't mind me commenting on your website, it's got Naughty Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, that's what I was called at LBC uh, when I had my, um, my sex and relationship show there, that <laughs> people couldn't quite believe that these very um, 
graphic words would be coming out of my mouth with the voice that I have. I think people find that very funny. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a lovely, it's a lovely description. Um, and the, the current book that you've got, t- tell us a bit about that. It's very relevant, obviously. Yes, I mean, Happy Relationships at Home, Work and Play is a guide, really, to having great relationships. But it stems from the premise that in order to have great relationships with other people, your colleagues, your partner, maybe your parents, if they're still alive, your your kids, if you've got them, you need to have a really good relationship with yourself first. You need to treat yourself with respect and compassion, uh, which we're all pretty bad at doing from time to time. And if you get that right, and obviously that relationship is going to be the relationship that you'll have in your life uh, forever, then you'll be in a better position to have stronger, healthier relationships with other people because you'll be more grounded and more bounded. And yeah, it's, it's a really important aspect of, of my work is to encourage people to have that great relationship with themselves. But then the book, which is structured along the lines of some agony art letters, uh, it, it poses lots of different scenarios that you might find in the workplace or in a family, maybe with your siblings or maybe with your best friend. And and then it gives lots of tips as to what to do in, in certain scenarios. Yes, it sounds uh, a fascinating read. I've actually had a couple of emails because I, I put out a quick call before we started to oh. chat. Uh, and I, so I'll run these past you if they're okay. They're not too difficult. Oops, sorry. Uh, one is from Michael and he says, myself and my wife were furloughed during the lockdown. Um, and we get on really well, but we both seem to be very fed up. There's nothing we could put our finger on. Do you think this is a result of the lockdown? Has it been like a, a, a black cloak in everybody's life? Interesting. It certainly meant that the ways in which we conducted our lives radically had to change and we didn't have any choice over it. So I think there were lots of feelings around frustration, resentment, maybe even some anger at the way in which the world changed and our personal circumstances changed. And I think also what it meant was that we ended up needing to perhaps spend more time with people, even though we loved them, that actually we had other buffers and we had other ways to dilute our exposure to those people. So we would go to work, we would hang out with friends in bars or at Um, bell ringing or photography classes or whatever and we might go to the gym or we might do there were so many things we would do like go to the cinema and not only did that mean we were we had more concentrated time with our loved ones and that can sometimes breed some form of contempt but also we couldn't create new memories with those people we couldn't go to the theatre we couldn't go to France we couldn't uh, necessarily even go for a walk if it was you know not outside in, you know if it was outside our, our area so all the ways in which we could nourish our relationships um, they were not they were denied us and it, I think what Michael is speaking to is the way in which if nothing else the pandemic has reminded us that all relationships require some effort and I think probably what needs to happen with Michael and his partner is they need to just put a little bit more effort and thought into recapturing some of those lovely imaginative bits of a relationship, the spontaneity, the playfulness, which you tend to get in a relationship very early on. 
when everything is new and exciting and you don't see each other very often, when you see everybody, when you see the person every day, it's hard to re-inject some, some excitement. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah. And I, I, th- I mean, of course, we, we, we've lived through the pandemic. We, we've all lived through it and it completely turned everything around for a period of time, didn't it? And um, I've got one other little, uh, which because we must talk a bit more about what we'll do on social media. Kind of stay. Um, one from uh, Joanne. Ooh, she said, I've heard someone else talking about this. She said, I'm uh, with a boyfriend. I'm 22. He said he'll love me unless I put on weight. Sorry, that's right. He'll love me, yes, unless I put on weight. I think this is a bit controlling. What do you think? Well, that's a really tricky one um, because obviously what I don't know is whether Joanne has lost a lot of weight and there are concerns around her health. But as someone who actually is quite skinny herself, it is unbelievably frustrating when everyone says, oh, I think you ought to put on a bit more weight. And you are often thinking, my God, you know, I'm shoveling macadamia nuts down my throat or avocados or whatever else it might be that's quite high in calories in order to, to put on a bit of weight. Um, so I think there are a couple of things here. If, if it's said in a well-meaning way, you know, I think you've you've lost some weight. And and for some people in the pandemic, again, some people put on weight, but some people lost it because they lost their appetite for life in a way. However, I don't like this very conditional way of being in a relationship that this boyfriend seems to be illustrating a sort of, I will only love you if, I'll only love you if you do this. I'll only love you if you conform to my view of what is nice or good. And so my my question is, have you always been skinny or slim? Because if you have, and they knew that from the very beginning, I think you have to, I think that would be a really big red flag because I think Joanne is onto something. If that's the situation, i.e. she has always been skinny and this person has always known that she's skinny. And now they're saying, please, can you change? That's not good. No, no. Sound advice, indeed. Thank you. Thank you for that, Joanna, and, and for Michael. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Like years ago as well, I also went to hairdresser, and I, it used to amaze it. Well, I was a junior sweeping the floors, and it amazed me how people would, women's hairdresser, how women would spend a fortune to have their hair straightened, and others would spend a fortune to have their hair <laughs> curled. And I guess it's it's a sort of a, yeah, sort of human condition, isn't it? But Yeah, no, I suppose that's slightly different in that you, you kind of um, often crave the thing that you don't have. So yeah, again, I'm, I've got super straight hair and, and there was a time when actually, in particular when I was younger, I wanted to have the sort of perm and the curls that go with it. But ultimately, and this is what, ha- this is what I talk about in happy relationships, being comfortable in your own skin will serve you so well for the rest of your life because you'll always be happy with yourself. And the mistake is to think, I will be happy when I get that dress or that promotion or that partner, or it's just always, you're relying on the external. You know, if I had great teeth or if I had, you know, the perfect house or the perfect life, the perfect Christmas, because we're coming up to Christmas, that's the moment at which it's a really big sign that you're not happy with yourself. Mm, and I think, was it, to thine own self be true? 
Shakespeare. Oh, the meaning of Shakespeare. Uh, right. is the night, the day, thou canst not be false to any man. And talking of London, I mean, Brilliant. you're very cultured. I don't know if you've seen that latest production of Hamlet at the Young Vic, uh, because I've now seen it twice. I think it is absolutely astonishing. Oh, uh, I must, I must have a look. Jumbo is brilliant. Uh, so that's another thing that I would throw in there. I took a footballing version up to the Edinburgh Festival two years ago, but uh, no, it's like, so I must, I must go and see that. Although it was slightly shorter and there were only four actors in it. But, uh, oh, right. <laughs> so I know we time, time, a tempers fugit, to quote another thing. Um, just briefly, how, how's Hungry for Love going? Because that was the book where we first met. You came That's right. Oh, my goodness. So I'm very fond of Hungry for Love. It's very light. Uh, one might almost call it chiclet, but... I'm also grappling in that novel with some issues around, yeah, identity and also choice because the lead character is called Jax. She cancels her wedding on the day by text. Um, but as the, as the sort of weeks pan out, we realize that actually quite a lot of her choices and quite a lot of the choices of her sister Carol have been influenced by the fact that they have a very domineering mother who is a sort of hybrid of, Nigella meets Delia meets uh, Fanny Craddock. Uh, she's a TV chef who's just very self-absorbed. And so the, the novel is very much about finding your own voice, finding your own path in life. Uh, but it's also about food. There's quite a lot in there about food. Uh, and there are little rest, little snippets of recipes at the beginning of every chapter. So I, I'm very fond of this book and uh, the audience that it's found its way to seem to like it too. And it's still available then, presumably. Yeah. In all good bookshops. Well, certainly on uh, all good online platforms. Platforms, yes. And if you're listening in stereo, you can have, in FM, of course, you'll be able to see I'm holding the book up now. Uh, hungry for love. Um, so let's just briefly, because I know, I know time, time is running on. Um, the new book, uh, Happy Relationships at Home. I mean, is it, who's it for? Is it for everyone, presumably? Yes, well, it's basically for anyone who is alive. Uh, because, the, as I say, the first chapter is very much about how to have a relationship with yourself. And I think yeah. relationships in our lives are always the source of both quite a lot of joy, but also quite a lot of pain or heartache. And if we just had a little Bible, like my book, to help you smooth out the wrinkles in your various relationships you will, um, yeah, have a lot more peace in your life. So really, it's for anyone who is in relation to another human being on this planet, which is pretty much everyone. Every, and again, available on all good uh, book uh, platforms. Yes. I know it's available in Kindle as well. And it's called Happy Relationships. Uh, let me get the full title. Happy Relationships at Home, Work and Play uh, by, by yourself. And, and then finally, because I know you've got to go, Social Media Kindness Day, 9th of November which would have been uh, Caroline Flack's birthday, bless her. Um, what are you going to do for Social Media Kindness Day? And what, what do you recommend we should do? I know well, I, funnily enough, set up something called the Kindness Club a few years ago. So I'm going to be talking, I'll be tweeting from that account on Twitter. I've got two accounts and I really want to try and amplify this idea of doing kind things for other people, doing kind things for yourself, not just in the social media sphere, but perhaps uh in the wide in real life uh because if you do it once it, do it twice do it three times it starts to become a habit and that would be a really beautiful thing yes what a lovely a lovely note to end on so thank you very much lucy um how can we get in touch with you if we want to know more oh go to my website www.lucyberesford.co.uk
Fantastic. Thanks again for your time. And I'll see you. Let's not make it five years. Let's not. <laughs> Next time. Let's not. Thank oh, you very much. You. So I'm talking to Lucy Berryford, or I have been. I'm Nick Hennigan. Uh, this will be available on LondonLiteraryPopGraw.com, BohemianBritain.com. Uh, and uh, of course, I shall see you next time for who knows what. This is Literary London on Resonance 104.4 FM. <laughs>